0: ...laying on the table, and my body was being anointed with oil on my feet, and in my head, my hands, and they would even put oil on my hand, and I would reach under a cover, and I would rub the oil on my chest, on my heart. Do you need oil? No, I've done it with people, and done emotional release, Johnny on the spot, no oil anywhere, simply just... um, Moved as God moved and God told me to move. And I asked God, I said, God, why, did the, why was the oil so important there but I didn't need it over here? He said, the oil of joy, the oil of mourning, the oil of gladness is in you. You're actually, your hypothalamus makes oil because oil and blood is the same thing. So what is oil that we put in a bottle? It's what comes from the plant. It's the blood. There's actually a couple different kinds of oil. The lifeblood of the plant is what's in the leaves And the stem and all that. But there's another oil that comes out of seeds or the rind, like orange oil, whatever. Some are cold pressed and others are steeped. They're distilled, right? And so when you distill a plant, you actually are extracting all the properties of the life force. Where's the life at? In the blood. So you're pulling all the life force out of that plant and you want to do it in such a way that it's the least amount of pressure, the least amount of heat for the longest period of time. Well, that's expensive and taxing. Frankincense and myrrh was worth as much or more than the gold that the kings brought. Okay, we'll talk about frankincense and myrrh in just a few minutes. So when you, when you extract that oil why did Jesus even have him put it on the body? Why did they put it on Aaron's head, run down his beard, and cover his garments? Because when your hypothalamus is shut down and not working very well because you've been taught not to cry, what happens is it gets calcified. It's, it gets like a callus on your hand. So if you wanted to feel a baby's face and your hand's full of calluses, guess what? You can't feel it. You need to cut those calluses off. If you cut the calluses off, you don't want to cut them all off at one time because it's going to hurt too bad. You're going to want to shave them. And over time, you'll get, you'll get that soft skin back so that all the feeling is back. Oh, there's that word. Feelings are back. So whenever you're completely shut down in that area, all can help you decalcify that part of the brain because of something called a chemical affinity. So what is a chemical affinity? What do the oils do? There's three main molecules in the oil that we're going to talk about. There's many, many more, but we're going to talk about three. One is a phenol. A phenol actually cleans the outer cell wall. It's just like taking something and you have, uh, you ever heard of Gooby gone? Yeah, it's like Gooby gone. It's like you ever go to the doctor and you get a shot and they take alcohol and rub it on your skin? They're cleaning that off so that the surface is clean. Well, outer cell walls get all gunked up from processed food, from petrochemicals, synthetics, and also uh, lies and fear. And so when that happens, the outer cell wall receptors get gooky. Like, have you ever had paint on a window and it it's kind of hard to open the It's like that. It just gets sticky. So that phenol is also the same word as alcohol or spirit. Woo! Go figure. Guess what your lungs do to your blood? Clean it. With what? Oxygen or breath, which is spirit. So it cleans the outer cell wall off so that it can receive and give information. The second thing that an oil will do is it has sesquiterpins, and a sesquiterpin is the word water or serum and turbine or to turn. Guess what's in your brain that carries most of your chemicals in your brain? Serotonin. So serum means serum or water. Now there's two places that the human body uh, excretes water that that defines male and female. In the female, the water comes through the womb when the baby is born, and that's the word or the letter M in the Hebrew alphabet, and it means water, like birthing water or gushing water or to break forth. It's the same word as the Euphrates. So it's to to gush forth. That's why the word mother is with the letter M because it's the water. But also, there's a place called Moab, and Moab was a result of the daughter who slept with her daddy to get his semen and his sperm so that she could have a son or a daughter because there was nobody else to procreate with. If I'm not mistaken, that was Lot's daughter. Am I right? So Moab. Well, that also means water, but it means semen, which is what carries the seed. So one water carries the product of the seed. One water carries the seed. You need that seed-carrying water in your brain. It's called serotonin. If you listen at the word semen, look. semen. man Isn't that interesting? We don't think about words like this. And you, I was told you can't even say that word in church. Well, we're not in church. We're just having church. <laughs> I am church, so... <laughs> You can bring your baby into church to be christened, but you can't tell where it came from. (laughs) Right? You know, back in the day, we couldn't say the word pregnant because that was a dirty word. It it was just crazy, right? But I'm here to unveil things. And to unveil them, we have to look at things and say things, and I'm okay with it. So So Sarum... Or serotonin is the water of the word. And the tone in which you deliver it, serotonin. So I can say to someone, I love you, okay? And the tone in which I delivered it made it really believable. (laughs) No, see, the tone did something to the word. It made it not receivable. If your serotonin is messed up, your body won't be able to receive things right. I could say, I love you, okay? I I didn't mean to. If I had any idea that I was making you feel that way, I wouldn't have done it. Please understand my heart. I really love you with all my heart. That tone is receivable. The tone in which you deliver something determines whether that cell wall will open or not. So some oils have sesquiterpin. Remember the word "turpin is turbine. It means to turn. That's what sound does. Sound does this, but if you also look at it, it's doing this. like DNA. Does anybody know what a periwinkle is? Does anybody know what pie is? The golden mean. That shape of a cochlea. It's the never-ending circle. That's how really everything moves. All creation is made from that periwinkle shape. It literally means whirlwind or baffling wind of God. It means breath. It means breath that goes in a circle. A vortex. A funnel. That's what it is. So that sesquiterpin in the oil will actually delete false information in a confused cell. So if the cell believes it's not loved, or if it has synthetics in it that's been manipulated by man and created in a laboratory, it can delete that information. Monoterpen. Monoterpen is the third thing, a third type of molecule in an oil. Again, there's so many. These are just three. But monoturpin means one, as in there's one God. Did God not show his love in a molecule? It's everywhere. All means all. Monoturpines in the oil actually reboot the computer and turn it off and turn it back on so it can go back to its original state of perfection made in the image of God and it can believe it's love. That's how powerful oils were and are. That's why they brought it to him. Frankincense is the scent of truth. Why? Because frank means true. Myrrh is a weeping herb. It's the same word as merry. Myrrh means bitter herb that makes you weep. And it's the same word as mourning that joy comes out of. Where did Christ come out of? Mary came out of bitterness into life. He went through sorrow and suffering to be resurrected. If you suffer with me, you'll reign with me. So that's the third thing. The monotroporan shuts it off, turns it back on so it can remember. What did Christ say? Remember me. So do I need oils on my body from a plant? No, you don't. Do they help? Yes, they do. So when that happened to me and I had all these oils, I said, God, why was that oil so powerful? What did it do? He said, Angela, it was that which is the earth and that which is heaven coming together. That which was seen was the oil. That which was unseen was in my hypothalamus. When those two came together, it was like pow. Why? Positive and negative, seen and unseen. Heaven and earth, male and female. See? manifested firmament, I could touch it, Un, unseen de- declaration of the word inside of me. Why? Psalm 19.1 says heaven declares it and earth manifests or proclaims or the firmament. What does firmament means? It means it's firm. It means you could touch it, you could see it, you could smell it. So that's when those two came together in my body, at the same time, I was remembering myself under the water, drowning, and remembering that I thought I was alone, and I thought I was rejected, and I thought all those things, and God told me that none of that was true. When that happened, not only was my hypothalamus putting or secreting all that into my bloodstream, the oils were there assisting my body So that they could work together so that my body could begin to heal, not just my brain, but every single cell in my body was healing and woke up. And every cell in my body through the bloodstream, through the emotion, the emotion is what released the hypothalamus to pump like it did, and all that went into my bloodstream, and every cell in my body believed it, and it felt like jacuzzi jets coming out of my body. And it did come out. Other people felt it and were healed. Some people touched it and were so moved with the power of God, they couldn't stand somebody had to sit them down. I'd never seen anything like that in my life. I started seeing signs and wonders and miracles. Remember, my house shook. I saw in the dark, smoke in my nose, signs and wonders, miracles. One time I walked in my house, I smelled smelled butterscotch. I was like, why am I smelling butterscotch? I I went looking for it. I had no butterscotch in my house my house anywhere, not even a candy. And I looked it up and it meant the blood on the altar, the fat on the altar. Whoa. That, thought like totally is so awesome. <laughs> I don't know what that looks like, but I'll take it. I didn't know it meant my whole heart being poured out of the altar. I had the smell of bread and other people witnessed it. and no, And my daughter had just walked through the room and she likes to wear a perfume that smells like coconuts and cake or something. But it don't smell like bread. It's real, real sweet. She walked through the room, and I thought, it, I was like, she don't ever smell like bread. <laughs> I went and smelled her to make sure. No, she smelled like she always does, that sweet, nice, like my little girl smells. But bread, the smell of bread just wafted in the room. And that woman that was with me, she said, are you baking bread? I was like, no, I smell it too. But after that event happened, the miracles began to increase even more do you know that in the Bible they anointed the right earlobe the right thumb and the right big toe do you know why okay for those of you who think that VitaFlex or control points or energy in the body is new age go ahead and turn me off because in your thumb and in your ear and in your big toe are where your energy in your body that associates with the memory of mama and daddy end. They're literally in that part. In your, all the outer part of your ear starts right up here at the top and all the way down. If you put oil there or you massage that part of the ear while you're working with somebody, it'll actually release memories. You have a hundred trillion cells in your body. Each cell has six gigabytes of memory. Calculate that one. Talk about a mega computer. Government wishes they could make a computer like that. hundred trillion cells. Each cell has six gigs. You have memory in your body. What What did God say when he said, This is my broken body. Eat it and remember me. Remember I told you when, you when you sin is to miss the mark. That means calculation. It also says we miss the monument. Monument means memories. Why? Because in your memories are where the lies are. Now why does God wait so long to deal with the, with the lies? Do you know that a lie and a curse and a lie and a tear is the same thing? If somebody lies, it will... Tear your heart, right? If you feel unloved, even if a person doesn't love you, God still loves you. If you believe you're unloved because a person doesn't love you, that will tear your heart. Why is it tearing your heart? Because you believe man rather than God. So, Master, Master, didn't you put good wheat in your field? Yes. Well, where these tears come from? Oh, those things? in the night season when you couldn't understand and you were confused because you were too young to figure it out because you didn't know me yet an enemy planted those things in the garden oh my god oh, oh, let's get rid of them quick call for the elders let's rebuke the tares no that's not what he said master master should we pluck them out Nah. uh no, calm down. It's okay. Let them both grow up at the same time. And when the weeds mature, yes. then we'll take out the tares. See, Jesus wasn't scared of tares. Light is never afraid of darkness. Truth is not scared of the lie. Why? All you have to do to get rid of a lie is turn on the light. Perfect love casts out all fear. All means all. So God will not go in and take those terrible, tear, terrible, tear, tear terrible tears out of your heart until your wheat is ready. Wheat starts with W-E, W-H, right? E, but the, the H is silent. Why is the H silent? the breath of God between the W and the E. Never heard that one before. I was a freebie.
1: <laughs>
0: but then E-A-T. It means when you commune together. What did they have at communion? Bread. So when the two eat together, that's the wheat. It's when you commune with God and you understand the manna. Who's the manna? Christ come down from heaven. I am the bread of life, he said. Now to eat from the bread of life doesn't always feel good at first. Why? Because you're going to need to suffer with him before you can reign. Every time I got to suffer more. <laughs> No, you've already suffered enough. We're just going to go into the memory and find the monument, and now we're going to eat it in remembrance of him. Why? Because all those years you've been eating in remembrance of yourself. (laughs) And you become weak, sick, and, yay, some die. So that's what happens. That's where disease comes from. So let's talk about endocrinology just for a second. Just somebody keep me uh, up with the time. What do we look like? 48. Okay, good. And what time we're we breaking? At um, four thirty. Oh, 5? Okay. 5 okay, so five, and then we come back at six thirty. Seven. Or seven. Okay, so we giving y'all two hours. Okay, you guys can take a power nap. Okay. All right. So what did I just say before I went off on the time Endocrinology. thing? Endocrinology. Endocrinology. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Endocrinology. If you look up the word endocrinology, it actually means your belief system. So whatever you believe to be true, even if it is a lie, your endocrinology will have to manifest it in the body because it manifests your own belief system. That's what it does. Remember I talked to you about diabetes earlier. All right, let's talk about Hashimoto's. Anybody know what Hashimoto's is? Okay. Hashimoto's, for those who don't know, is a disease of the thyroid where the thyroid actually is confused. And I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to give you any physical doctor medical diagnosis. I'm going to tell you what God showed me about Hashimoto's. Hashimoto's has lesions on it. The, the uh, thyroid will get full of lesions, like little cuts, little tears in it. Oh, tears. <laughs> <laughs> right and it's right in your throat how many times have you ever had something come up and you swallow it back down because I don't want to deal with that right but your, your thyroid is what's going to fight for you when there's an invader T cells B cells and all kinds of other stuff it does it needs iodine which comes from the C Right? Mm-hmm. And it will fight for you and fight for you and fight for you and fight for you, and it will either wear out, <coughs> because you have to fight so much, or it will stop fighting because it feels hopeless, or it will get confused and fight and get hopeless and fight and get hopeless and fight and get hopeless and fight and get hopeless, and it becomes like kind of a bipolar in the thyroid. Well, that's Hashimoto. Hashimoto. Ha. It's her knows moto over there. Like, ah, oh, what I do, what I do, what I do. Well doesn't know what to do. I guarantee you, at least two things are happening in the person's life that has Hashimoto's. One, they have fought with all that they have. And they fight. And then they they give up, but something comes along and pushes them along again with tenacity, and they pull themselves up by their bootstraps, and they fight again until they wear out. And they pull themselves up by their bootstraps, and they fight again until they wear out. And they just get so tired with no answers, and they just keep living the same life. That happens emotionally. And your thyroid don't have a choice but to declare it. Why? Because you believe it in the heavens and the earth must proclaim it in the firmament. Isn't that amazing? Do you know your body's made in the image of God and it cannot lie. It cannot lie to you. It must declare the truth. Do you know that most of the time if you go and get prayer for someone, they will tell you that it is a demon or it is a spirit of infirmity. Now, do I believe in demons and the spirit of infirmity? Yes, Jesus taught on it. Cast them out and said, if you follow me, you'll do these things. But not all sickness is a spirit of infirmity or a demon. Remember the little boy and God said, but it's for the glory of God that this little boy is sick? Did that scripture ever just really mess with you? I I wouldn't even read it. I'd get mad. What if that was your son? And Jesus said, it was for the glory of God that your son was sick. Wouldn't that like really upset you? It would if you didn't know what the glory of God meant. But if you know what the glory of God means, it won't upset you. Because it upset me. And I went to Father and I said, Father, I don't like this. I'm I'm wicked. And I would not make my own son sick so I could heal him so I could get credit. Something's wrong. He said, yeah. With your way of thinking. Because you don't know me. If that's what you think of me, you don't know me. I said, Father, I want to know you. How am I supposed to look at this scripture? Angela, glory means to shine a light so that you can see. It means revelation. And all of the earth is revealing the glory of God. All means. Oh. That's what he was saying. God didn't want credit for the little boy's healing. How sick would that be? Would that be love? No, an innocent child so that God can get glorified. See what I'm saying? See how our understanding of glory is really twisted? Is it just me or did you guys feel the same way when you read that scripture? Anybody feel that way? Raise your hand. Yeah, so I'm not the only one. That's like the only way to do that is run from that scripture. Like let's just avoid it because I really get in trouble when I think about that scripture. So if somebody comes to me with Hashimoto's or a brain tumor, I don't think God's punishing them. Nor is God teaching them a lesson. Nor is God trying to get glory. No, the body can't lie. And the body has to tell me what's going on. I saw a lady recently had something wrong with one of her toes. I said, "Do you mind if I tell you what that is?" She's like, "Right here, you know." I guess we could go there. I said, "Well, how about I just tell you?" I said, "I don't know what's going on between you and your dad, but you can't wrap your brain around it. You don't feel loved. You can't figure out because if if Dad loved me, how could this happen?" I said, "Honey, it'll be okay." Eyes all teary, and I said, can I hug you? She said, yes. From looking at one toe, she knew exactly where she was. Can I look at anybody's toe? Yeah, if God tells me to. Can I just line everybody up and look at their toes? I could try, <laughs> but will God answer me for everyone? Maybe, maybe not, I don't know. But the body can't lie. The body will tell me. I've had people come up and ask me, what, what does this mean on my thumb? I'm like, I don't know. Let's ask. I ask them, like, is this true in your life? Oh, my God, you know I said, I did, and I asked. Right? Because we people think that people have answers. Angela don't have your answers. The Holy Ghost inside of you has your answers. I'm just telling you that your body can't lie. Your body must manifest. Why? Because your endocrinology is your belief system. It's in your brain. It's attached. It's part of your hypothalamus, your amygdala, your pituitary, and your pineal gland. Guess where Jacob wrestled with God? A place called pineal. And you know what happened to him at the place called Peniel? He rested his head on a rock. That means a hard place. There's no comfort there. And can you imagine wrestling with God? He got his hip, got out of joint, and he walked funny. Are you
1: going to show him? Sure, I'll show <laughs>
0: Well, first of all, we tell you this. He was going back to see his brother, right? Because he had stolen his brother's identity, right? His name was Jacob. It meant the surplanter, the heel catcher. Study the word heel catcher. This is what it means. It means one who's deceived by his sorrow and suffering. What? See, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. How did God hate his own son Esau? Did that ever make sense to y'all? You ever question God like, is that one of those other scriptures? I don't know. <laughs>
1: But I asked God, I the God, how you hate Esau? You made him. You
0: needed together gather his mother's womb. And the word of God says in Jeremiah, that you had plans to prosper him and do him good all the days of his life, how did you hate him? I don't understand. Mm-hmm. He said, Angela, I hated his attitude. His attitude was, here, take my identity, just don't let me be hungry. Do not let me suffer. He was anti-suffering. What I tell you I go with the word anti-Christ. Mm-hmm. But when Jacob came to Esau, God saw. When Jacob came to himself and said, I'll reconcile with my brother, And he wrestled with God. God changed his name from surplanter, trickery, heel catcher, deceived by your emotions, deceived by your suffering. He changed his name to Israel. Why? Because he finally got me. Israel. What I tell you the other night, Iran is always trying to kill Israel. When you run from your emotions, you're killing the truth. You think that's an accident that a place called Iran is trying to annihilate Israel? No! Lies will make you run from the truth. That's what it means. So once he got real, you could see that God wrestled with him and maybe he walked like this. Or maybe he walked like this. Why? Because he finally got real. and You can't have peace until you get real. You can't have peace with your twin. You can't have peace with your brother. You can't have peace. You can't have a place called Bethel until you get real. Guess what else he saw when he got real? Besides Esau? A ladder. Going up and down from heaven to earth. I call that the ladder rain. Yeah, and when you get w- real, you'll have a lot of rain. You'll see things you've never seen. You'll hear things you've never heard. Where do you think I get this stuff from? I did not get this on my own. You know it just by the words that I'm using, that this isn't normal.
1: <laughs>
0: Am I telling you the truth? This ain't normal? <laughs> This is peculiar. Can you tell me anything more foolishness than a woman's emotion? And God said he'd take the foolishness of man to confound the wise. See, no longer shall you be deceived. Why? Because I have came here to restore the Eve in you. So you embrace the Eve, me. You'll embrace The part of you that can't figure things out. You'll embrace the moment where you have this turning inside of you. You'll embrace the moment where you're without form and void and darkness is upon your face because you can't see. If you would just say you can't see, none of this would be held against you. If I can persuade you that you can't see, Jesus told the Sadducees and Pharisees, and they said, you think we're blind? We're sons and daughters of Abraham. Abraham. He said you're of your father the devil Who was a liar from the beginning You killed the prophets of old I could raise up sons of Abraham From these stones You think he said that all fluffy No. no. I don't think so I don't have a fluffy Jesus <laughs> Why? Because I'm more than a conqueror And if I'm not fluffy He sure ain't fluffy Jesus Is the son of God He sits at the right hand. He is the lamb, but he's also the lion of Judah. And lions roar. Lions can see in the dark. Lions eat meat. Why? Because if a feline does not eat meat, he will lose his eyesight. How long are you going to stay on milk? See, if you're of the lion of the tribe of Judah, then you need to eat meat. Or you won't be able to see in the dark. And in this day, there is darkness and gross darkness covering the earth. Wake up. Y'all, this is good stuff. This is Father unveiled revelation. I used to be too scared to tell it to you. Why? Because I was mousy. That's why. I was scared you wouldn't like me. I was scared I'd get in trouble. I was scared I'd get rejected. I was scared I'd get ridiculed. I was scared somebody would confront me. Guess what they do? I don't mind anymore. Let me tell you something, a story about me. As a little girl, four years old, who was a tattletale and a pain in the butt. I used to get beat up. Now I could blame it on them if I want to, but I was a pain in the butt. So if I was your little pain in the butt, you'd probably beat me up too. Right? Somebody always had on you, Mama, can you do it? Mama, never you, mama, see me do it. No wonder I got my butt beat. But I didn't like it. Because see, I liked being pampered and babied and spoiled. That's what they got me for. Right? But I got tired of getting beat up, and I wasn't going to change being a tattletale, obviously. (laughs) So I would bite my sister. So one day I bit her and I got in trouble, and I'm about this tall, barely looking over the arm of my daddy's recliner. And I go to my daddy because I'm in trouble for biting my sister, and he goes, barely, I mean, barely pops my cheek. Like, not even enough to. My, I mean, he it, it just almost touched me. It was almost affectionate. It was so so light. Mm. I'd never been spanked by my daddy. My daddy's never spanked me in my life, ever. I don't remember my mama ever spanking me. My sisters, but not my mama. <laughs> I got spanked for tattling. And then I tattle and run hide. So, no, you see what I'm saying? It's, I don't want you to think my sisters are just, as you know, till the hun. But... I bit her and got in trouble, and my daddy said to me, Mija, I know I don't look it, but I'm Mexican. That's that little hook right there on my nose? There it is. (laughs) Then he says, Mija, you can't bite your sister. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I can. (laughs) You should see. Mija, if you bite your sister again, I'm going to have to spank you. My little wheels are turning. I put my hands to my side, stood up straight. Yes, sir, Daddy, but she beats me up and nobody stops her, so I'm gonna bite her and I'll take my spanking. Thank you. (laughs) Me, I get out of here. Go on, go play. Yes, sir. (laughs) You can't you can't bite me. (laughs) Beat me up and see. So I got beat up. And she got bit. And while I was biting her on her tummy right here, (laughs) I thought to myself, I said, self, do you want to take a whole bite out or just taste blood? And I thought, well, if I take a whole bite out, it's going to taste real bad, and I'll probably get in real big trouble. But if I just taste blood... Then I can tell her next time I'll take a chunk out and she'll might believe me. So I bit till I tasted blood and then I let go. Strategically, Mike Tyson has nothing on me. And I don't take my hand off to him. Y'all don't remember that? And he had a fight. He said, I take my hand off to you. He meant hat. He said, I take my hand off. Y'all got to keep up with the times if my jokes are going to make any sense. I bit till I tasted blood and I let go. I didn't get a spanking. And I didn't get beat up anymore. So what was my point? See, when you've been beat up and rejected, you think it's against you. And it can be. But today, as a 50-year-old woman who preaches the gospel, I don't mind if they try and beat me up. I bite. I don't mind. Nancy, do I get beat up?
1: Yeah.
0: Sometimes. But I throw some pretty mean punches. Why? Because truth don't need defending. Mm-hmm. Truth don't need my assistance to defend it. Jesus will never come to any of us and ask us to open a pickle jar for him. See, my husband, can you imagine if my husband asked me to open a pickle jar? I'd be thinking, your chance. See, God doesn't need defending. Truth doesn't need defending. I just speak the truth the way that God gave it to me. Now, do I have everything perfect? No. I see in part, No in part. But you know what I'm telling you is bearing witness in your spirit or you wouldn't be here. You'd already left. I came here to tell you the truth because I lived the way of the doo-doo a long time. And I'm tired of urine. Right? When I'm in, I'm drinking my own urine. And if I did that for that many years as a leader, how many more people do you think are doing what I've been doing? A lot. I would say most. So when you go into these places in your memory and you allow yourself to feel the pain, the sorrow, the suffering, and you let that get into your bloodstream because emotion is blood. It's just the unseen blood. Think about it. We call the heart the place of love. Love is, we we color it red, right? And love is all power, all means all. That means every form of power is in love. Do you know that hatred came from a a original source of love? The only way you can really hate somebody is if they hurt someone you love or if it's someone that you love that hurt you enough, you finally have enough and then you hate. Remember the old saying there's a fine line between love and hate? When I was consumed with hatred, there was really no legitimate reason for me to be so filled with hate I I hated one of my sisters at one time, but she didn't do anything worthy of that big of hate. But what happened was I judged my husband, and I thought to myself in a prayer, I said, God, how can I love someone who's so filled with hate? How prideful is that question? How pious, how self-righteous. How can I love someone who's so filled with hate? I didn't say it like that. I said it in confusion. But I might as well be like, oh, oh the thank you that I'm not like him. Oh. <laughs> That's what I was doing. I, you couldn't have told me I was doing it. But my pride had blinded me. And I asked that question and God said, oh, I'll show you. I'm like, oh, <laughs> never mind. It's that judgment thing again. <laughs> Remember I told you you'll hate judgment when you learn about it? I was hating it at that time. I didn't understand its value. But then right after that, I hated my sister, and what she did was not worthy of hate. It didn't match. So why did I have it? Because of my pride, not because of her. It was my sin, not her sin. People say, what did she do? I said, it didn't matter. She could have stepped on my toe. It's not about what she did or didn't do. It's about me having hatred. And the Bible says if you love not the ones you can see and say you love God and you can't see, you are a liar and the truth is not in you. And I thought I was above hating someone. That was sin. That was missing the mark. And it brought me into all manner of lasciviousness, which was hatred and malice. Ephesians 4. When you go past your feelings, you give yourself up over to all manner of lasciviousness. And for three weeks, I could hardly breathe, I could hardly eat, my bones begin to hurt, I put my makeup on, I pry, I cried, I prayed, I begged, I confessed in Jesus' name, I forgave her for all I was worth, I tried everything I could to forgive, I begged, I pleaded, but for three weeks, I was consumed with hatred, and it was not her fault. It was me judging my husband and that just happened to be a circumstance in my life that God used to show that I was already what I judged others to be. Not that I would become, no, I already was. I already am you, you are me, whether you know it or not. And so when God delivered me of my own unforgiveness, that's when I learned that forgiveness floods your soul. It's not an action that you choose. It's actually a birthing process where you have uncontrollable, spontaneous forgiveness, the kind that you can't stop even if you try. Now, I didn't know that existed. Nancy, did you know that existed? Uh, Is it real? It's so real. Yeah, would you mind coming up here? Are you free to share about, not details, but just what happened the first time spontaneous forgiveness hit you when I was working with you?
1: Yeah. Um, at my first session with Angela, we revisited an issue between some things that had happened uh, between my father and I that I had thought I'd forgiven him and felt free from, you know, any... Um, I didn't have any bad feelings toward him. Let's put it that way. But during the session with Angela, I was brought to the point of recognizing that I had judged my father for what he did to me, and I had in turn done something that was even worse. I had never seen the connection between the two things, and I don't mind saying I don't what mind if you say either. So I found out in my mid-30s that I had been sexually abused by my father. I had repressed all the memories, but they came back after he passed away. And I had an abortion when I was 19. So here you know, oh, what he did seems so horrible, but what I did was actually worse. I killed my child. And I had never made that correlation before. And it was only through the Holy Spirit that I saw it for what it was to that point that Angela has been talking about, where when I saw it and she was hearing from God some, some things that she was narrating about my father, where I saw him and his brokenness and... I have never experienced what I experienced. It was like she said, just this rush of forgiveness and gratitude and love all mixed together. And it's like I, I, now the more that I've been around her and heard this teaching and watched other people, every time I watch somebody else's session, I get more of the same because you watch the multiple, many, many ways that this plays out in our lives. And it's always just a little bit different twist, but it's the same thing that you judge that person for and a lot of times even worse. And when I watch somebody else experience what I did that first time, I just get it all over again. I can't look at anybody and point fingers and say they're bad. They're, I just know we are all the same. When she used to say, I am you and you are me, I was like, what does that mean? Why does she keep saying that?" It just sounded like one of those fluffy things, but I totally get it now. So it was really powerful. Thank you,
0: love you. Um, I had a gentleman uh, who, was, who I was working with and he had not been able to forgive his dad and I couldn't get the emotion to surface. His hypothalamus was just so locked up. And literally, it does get calcified. So it, sometimes it takes a little work before you can get in. Um, but without the breathed word of God, you're not getting in anyway, to be honest. So I'm praying, and I'm working with this man. And he finally sees, in a vision, him sitting on his daddy's lap, and his little boy, who's now a grown man, sitting in Jesus' lap. And the little boy looks up at Jesus and says, Jesus, is my daddy really gonna do that to me, what grandpa did to my dad? And Jesus says, Yes, son, he is. But daddy, won't he? I mean, but Jesus, won't my daddy love me? Well, of course, son. Of course, your daddy will love you. Well then why will he do that to me? because humans can't see very well and they need to see that they're just like each other so your dad will turn into his dad and he'll do to you everything that he thinks he would never do because he persuaded himself that if daddy loved me he wouldn't be like that so you're going to become his son one day and when you do he's going to treat you that way but you'll wake him up and when you wake him up He'll forgive his daddy and he'll forgive himself and you'll be forgiven and you'll actually do it to your son, but your generation will wake up. Now when this man is on the table and he hears this dissertation in a vision, he begins to wail. He breaks so uncontrollably that his body is vibrating and gyrating off the bed from heaving can't hardly catch his breath he finally catches his breath and he says to me do I need to renounce anything and I said to him truth don't need your assistance just look at the truth behold the truth keep staying looking and listening to what you're hearing just stay here and drink and eat this And he just continued to weep and weep and weep and weep until the little boy climbed climbed out of Jesus' lap and went and got next to his dad in his grandfather's lap. And he said, hey, Daddy, it's okay. Jesus told me I'm going to come to you and you're going to do these same things to me. And then when you do, we'll both wake up. It's okay, Dad. You'll be all right. Go back and live your life as a grown man and... And one day God will send a messenger and you'll wake up. And he said, Dad, I already forgive you before I come to earth. Hugs him, loves on him. And I'm paraphrasing the best I can, so I may have it a little bit off. But in the gist of it, that's what occurred. And when the man got up from the table, he was 69 years old at this date. He got up from the table. He was a a man of God, full of the word of God, a teacher, a pillar strong man, smart, uh, had education, like I think he was an engineer or something, but his family was falling apart. Been to every kind of ministry you can imagine. He, get, he sat up and he said, I don't know how to explain this, but I think I just woke up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Was I dead? And I said, how do you know you woke up? He said, I don't know, but, I, but I'm awake, huh? I said, yeah, you don't know you're sleeping until you wake up, do you? He's bawling. Mm -hmm. Remember Jesus said, greater works shall you do? Mm -hmm. Right here, I'm going to explain something to you. Don't look at what you can see, because what you can see is temporary. Look at what you cannot see, because what you cannot see is eternal. Mm -hmm. Jesus rose the visible dead. Mm -hmm. The greater works is raising the invisible dead. Mm -hmm. You don't know you're sleeping until you wake up. That man did not need me to do anything. He saw the truth and the truth transformed him in a twinkling of an eye. Instantly, forgiveness flooded his soul for his dad whom he tried to forgive and couldn't. The love for his son and his self exploded. This man could weep for everybody but himself. I couldn't break him. I couldn't get any emotion. None. Because we were dealing with him. But once his little boy showed up, he broke. It was crazy. Why? Because there's nothing like the boiling love of a child. You've taken my husband. Must you also take the, my, man, the, the, my son's mandrakes? the boiling love of my son. The last three children um, of Jacob that came from that intimacy. If my memory serves me, I have to go back and look it up, but it basically means an increase in a place of habitation For an inheritance. And then there's Benjamin. And then Dinah. Benjamin meant son of my sorrows. And Dinah means judgment. But that's not the end of Dinah's name. After Dinah gets married. And Levi and Simeon. Kill her husband. And all of the men. From that tribe. Dinah preferred mercy over justice. Her name meant justice. So why did she prefer that? What's the hidden mystery there? Levi means unity, and Simeon means ears. And so Simeon and Levi took it upon themselves to go and have avenge their sister because it wasn't physical rape like he didn't hold her down, but it was like statutory rape in our day and age. It was, she wasn't of their tribe, so to make love with her was considered rape. But Jacob had went into covenant. And he said, Look, if y'all just have your men circumcised and you serve our God, we'll go into covenant and you can keep Dinah. Because, why? She was in love. If you look up Dinah, her name means justice. Her husband's name meant burden. And the grandfather, I mean, the father in law, meant calamor. So it basically said, Burden, the son of calamor, married justice and was destroyed by the hearing of unity. And Dinah preferred mercy over justice. There's a hidden revelation of the bride. There's only 12 boys, but one daughter, number 13. It's the fullness of three male, female, child. It's the fullness of the Godhead manifested. I understand that some of these things that I'm telling you are deep. I understand that what I just told you will take some study for you to actually hear it. And I'm really not going to go into all that because it would get us way off target. But the reason I said that is I wanted to show you that even though I'm talking to you about the body, all of this came from scripture. I've got the chemistry behind it. I've got the medical behind it. I've got the body's anatomy behind it. I understand endocrinology, but it's revealed in the allegorical messages hidden in Scripture. Even something as simple as peace comes out of the whale. Jonah came out of the whale. W H A L E and W A I L. Jonah means peace. So when you bring when that man was broken, his heart was completely broken. He wanted justice at first, right? My daddy did this terrible thing. Why? Because he heard and he saw, and this didn't equal unity. So I'm going to kill that. Right? That's what was going on. That's That's what our own hearing will do. It'll make us want justice. But your heart, when your heart hears, it wants mercy. See, Dinah wanted mercy. She loved him. The Bible says he was tender towards her. He was tender. His heart went after her. See? So this man, when he's seeing his little boy and his daddy and himself, all of a sudden his heart came out. Before he wanted justice. But once he saw that he was everything he judged, he didn't want justice anymore, did he? No, he wanted mercy. Why? Because that judgment was affecting his grandson, his son, and him, he couldn't even cry for himself. He, could, he had lots of compassion for other people. People say, oh, well, I'm emotional. I have lots of compassion. It's like, how about for yourself? They don't. Most people can't cry for themselves unless they're a victim and they're feeling sorry for themselves, which is totally different than brokenness. See, victimization is poor me, poor me, why me? Brokenness is, oh, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Right? Let's take a little break, stretch a little bit.